Oh, there it is again, John. I like that. John chapter 2, as we visit the second part in a series that wasn't planned to be a series on uh, the beginning of miracles. And the title of the message, of course, is It's Only the Beginning. Verse 1 says this, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with you? My hour is not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece, which means about 20 gallons. And Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But you have kept the best wine until now. And this beginning of miracles, underline that in your Bible, beginning of miracles, did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Hebrews 13, 8 says, And Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's so much that's important to preface this message that if you were not here last week, I invite you to go online or go to our media table. You need last week's message to set up for this one. So having said that, I want to give you just a quick overview because I still have a lot to get to in this message of last week. First of all, you need to understand that Jesus was a manifestation of who God was. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus was a joyous person. He was a festive person. And anybody that tries to tell you that they represent God as something stoic or someone that's hesitant to smile or that doesn't roll in the floor with children and doesn't laugh and enjoy life, they do not represent God because you do not invite ill people to festive places. They said, oh, whatever you do, make sure you invite Jesus and his disciples. I, I don't have time for boring, dull, lifeless Christians, and then they want to act as if they're deep. Dull is not a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is. I'm just saying. Jesus comes to wherever he's invited. This Bible says that they invited Jesus to the wedding and he shows up. And whatever area of your life you give God an invitation to, he will come and visit if you want him to visit and abide if you want him to abide. And he brings more with him than you expected. When they invited Jesus, they didn't know he was a miracle worker. But when you walk with God, he starts to unveil parts of himself at every invitation that you didn't know before when you invited him. It's at the place of our greatest need where we most often turn to God. I'll hear Christians, unwise Christians, un Christians with no experience, they'll see someone in jail turn to God and go, yeah, how convenient. That's jailhouse religion. Is there any other kind? There is none that seeketh after God, the Bible said. No, but there, our life hit some potholes. You know, you can hit a pothole so deep that it throw your whole front end out. Feel like your axe will come off. And that happens in our life and we run out of things and opportunity and we get in crisis and we turn to God. So it is here. 
God operates according to his will and purpose and in time. Mary said, they're out of wine. He said, what have I to do with you, woman? It was really a term of endearment. It's the same word he used when he hung on the cross. And he said, woman, behold your son. But what he was saying is, I operate on God's timetable. I'm not going to do things according to yours. And it was just a few moments later, he acted anyway. See, even if it's only five minutes difference, you need to learn the lesson that God has a plan. You present your need, but God has a plan and he has a time. And five minutes later, Jesus acted on the very thing she asked. But when she asked it, it wasn't time yet. And finally, miracles only happen where they're needed. And the purpose of miracles are not to meet the need. They're to display the glory of God. Now today, if you're taking notes, here we go. Number one, those who do not expect miracles rarely see them. And I know Christians that are always looking for the dramatic. They're always looking for a sign. And God condemns those that look for a sign just for sign's sake. But I've lived with him 26 years. And there are times when I've hit places in my life. No one could help me. I needed a miracle. A miracle means something that cannot happen in the natural. There's no way out. There's no way over. There's no way through. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but others of us have hit the wall and we were at the brink of a nervous breakdown. No one could help us. They couldn't prescribe anything to help us. Depressed, disillusioned, alone. Others of us hit financial ruin and there was just no way out. And taught you last week that if you, instead of looking down, if you look up to God and expect from him, expectation is critical. It's critical. It's the evidence of our faith in God. When I expect it to rain, I bring an umbrella even before it rains. I shared our journey with you. We couldn't have kids. We painted our nursery. We hung pictures. We put in furniture. We got toys. We got stuff together because my expectation was towards him. I wasn't manipulating him. I was showing him where my faith is. And the Bible says now faith is. I'm not asking you about your faith yesterday. I'm asking you, how is it with you today? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That driver's license in your wallet is an evidence that you exist. It is not you, but it is evidence that you exist. And your faith is the evidence that God exists. I expect him. How can God move in my life and there not be miraculous manifestations? How can God come into a room and not fill it? If you can come in a room with your bad cologne and fill it, surely God can come into it. How does he come into a room and not, not, not knock something over? I believe to see the goodness of the Lord, David said, in the land of the living. Let me give you the precursor. He said, I'd almost quit. I'd almost fainted. I felt my soul bleeding out. But I stopped in the middle of my coming apart and I believed. I looked for the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because my faith declares that God is so good that he cannot help but find me where I'm at and his goodness be my answer. Do you live in expectation? Are you one of those people, well, I done done all I can do. Ain't nothing left but to pray now. (sighs) Good luck with that. Because the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And don't let that kind of person think they'll ever receive anything from God. 
Well, it's so hard to believe. Well, of course it is. It's so hard to receive miracles. Of course it is. If it was easy, everybody would get them. You got to stand. You've got to declare, decree, and when the devil knocks you, you ever got news that just knocked you to the ground? Unseen, unexpected. And See, the devil can't kill us. But he knows right where to hit you in the stomach to knock all the wind out of your body and you wish you were dead. When you can't breathe. And he's waiting to see what you're going to do with that news. You get up, you can heart, your soul can hardly breathe from the news. And you, he's mocking you and all of hell's minions are mocking you and laughing. Look at the child of God. Look at the strong son of the Lord. Look at the daughter of the Lord. Not so big now. What do you have to say for yourself? And here's the news. The pending, threatening, mocking news. And you go, I still believe him. I still believe him. See, there's people in this church and in other churches that ministers can't help because they're not believing for anything. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hoped for. What are you hoping for? Well, Lord, just do something sometime, some way. Amen. See, that don't make me vulnerable. But when you say, Lord, I'm praying for my daughter to come back to you. And I'm standing in the gap. I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying. Those that do not expect miracles rarely see them. Number two, no one can live this expectation for you but you. Some of us are addicted to the prayers of other people. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? There's nothing wrong with leaning on my wife. There's nothing wrong with asking her to support and be with me. But you have to have your own faith in God. And if you don't, God will see to you, see to it that the passageway is so narrow that can't nobody walk through it but you. So you have to declare, I believe God. And where does faith come from? See, some of us operate faith, but it's not biblical faith. It's illegitimate. We have faith in the all-seeing eye and the higher power. And we got faith that God somewhere can do something for me. That's not faith. That's superstition. That's religion. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is concrete on the fact that you have been purchased with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And positionally, he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. And hitherto you've asked nothing in his name, but you ask that your joy might be full. And whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Faith on something. Faith in someone. Do you call someone first before you call God? I'd hate to think. I'd hate to think that my primary source of faith was someone else's prayer. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other people, all other systems, all other help, all other anything is sinking sand. Sinking sand. I appreciate you praying with me. I appreciate you believing with me and for me. But I know him myself and my faith is secure in him. Number three, you can expect a miracle from God even if you've never seen one. 
I touched on this last week, but I thought I ought to hit it again. This was the beginning of his miracles. Jesus had never done no miracles. And some of us are hung up on the fact that we've never seen them and we think our faith rests in the seeing of the miracles. No, our faith is in God. And they had not seen any manifestation, regardless of what these Dead Sea Scroll letters found in a pot somewhere that said when Jesus was a boy, he healed a bird and healed its wing. That ain't in no Bible. Don't believe in the funny papers. This beginning of miracles, this beginning of miracles. If this is the beginning of miracles, then it's the beginning of miracles. Do you see how profound I am? Do you understand the intellectual intelligentsia there that I just gave you? Beginning of miracles means beginning of miracles. How readest thou? Well, I've never seen God heal cancer before. Maybe you're the first one in your family to introduce that glory of God's healing power. I've never seen no one come out of this. I've never seen, oh, then you're a prime candidate because God wants to show forth his glory. Where's Lazarus? Oh, Lord, no. Lord, I know you healed that little boy on the back of the, the beer as they were taking him to the, outside the city, but he's four days now, three days. He's, he's stinking. We've never seen a decomposing body brought back to life. And Jesus spun on his heel and said, did I not tell you that if you'd believe you'd see the glory of God? Watch this. Lazarus, get up. First of all, time out, dead people can't hear. That decomposing people, what do you do with the part that's already rotted away? What do you use? I, I don't, you worried about details. Watch this. See, you're trying to believe based on what you've seen with your natural eyes. And your faith should be based upon what you see with your spiritual eyes. And if I'm God, then I'm God and I can do what I want to when I want to. Do you believe? Do you believe? Number four. You can expect a miracle even if there's no precedent for it. One of my favorite verses is this, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. Or think. Or think. So if your request has been a thought, he said, I can do greater than that. If you fashioned what you need in your mind, he goes, no, that's what you think. I can do above what you can think. I am able to do more than what you even dream might could happen. But watch. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according, in harmony with, accord, three chords, three-part harmony, according to the power that worketh in you. Oh, there's our hang-up. Some of us have constricted the power of God in our life through our carnality and our choices and our lifestyle. And the power is not able to operate because the Holy Spirit is grieved with us. And many times requests are ignored and denied because we've disqualified ourselves with a, a life of duplicity. All of us have done that. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think in harmony with the power of God that's at work in you today. And here's what God would say to us through his word. Take what's working in you today and give it back to me. Work it out inside first before you want to see it outside. 
Number five, you can expect a miracle even if no one else is believing with you. There are many examples in the Bible. And please don't get me wrong, man. We need support. We need help. It's always encouraging for other people to believe with us. But some of you are in a situation, your spouse is unbelieving. Or your children are unbelieving. Your church can be unbelieving. Have you ever been there? I'd like to call for the elders of the church to anoint me with oil. A prayer of pray, faith. Save the sick. Oh, we don't do that. Huh? I, I just read it to you. Yeah, but we don't do that. And if you press them, why? Oh, we don't believe in that. Mm. <laughs> well, I think I need to walk on out of here. Shake some of this dust out of my cufflink. Sometimes you can't find anybody else to believe with you. And it is good to have people to believe with you. But the scripture is filled with people that received from God all by themselves. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, just heard that Jesus was coming up the street. And the Bible says he ran in the direction of Christ screaming. And I'm not being funny here. Can you imagine what it looked like for a blind man to be running up the street? And these aren't paved roads. These are potholed dirt roads. And he's stumbling and falling and he's running towards where he heard he was Jesus son of David have mercy on me and he where is he where is he He'd run again and run into someone and hit his head and fall and he's covered in dirt and he's embarrassed and he's screaming hoping that Jesus could hear him do you ever feel like that just hoping that God could hear me Jesus son of David have mercy on me and they got him near the Lord and he got louder Jesus, son of David, have shh, you shh, you ain't been blind. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus asked him something, and it was for your learning that he put it in the scripture. He said, what would you have me do for you by himself? Lord, I want you to do something for me that's never been done. I want you to do something for me that I can't even picture in my mind. I want you to do something for me that never had it been heard of. Because you remember when Jesus healed the blind, he said, never have we heard of blind eyes being opened. I want you to do this for me, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And he said, you got it. What is it that you were that close to receiving from God, but somebody else talked you out of it? Even if you're by yourself, like the woman with the issue of blood or the centurion believing for his son. I love this. This man wasn't even an Israelite. And he comes into Jesus' presence and he said, would you, come heal, would you heal my boy who's sick at home? He said, sure, let's go. He goes, oh, no, you ain't got to go. I'm a man under authority. I know what authority looks like. I tell these 50 guys to go over there and fight and they do it. And I send that battalion that way to go and they do it. And I know who you are. You are the authority. Why don't you just send the word? Jesus looked at him and said, I ain't seen faith like this in all of Israel. You really believe I can do this? Mm-hmm. He goes, going home, your boy's well. And when he got home, he didn't ask him, was he well? He said, what hour did he get well? And he pinned up, yep, that's about the time. The sundial was pointing this way, right? That's about the time. Don't be intimidated by the minority of people around you. If no one else believes, ask the woman of issue, with the issue of blood. She said, you can receive what you need from God all by yourself. 
You can expect a miracle even if there's no momentum building towards one. No momentum. You remember I touched on this last week, how we try to tee it up for God? Make it a little easier for him. Well, maybe if I make these three phone calls and just really tee it up, all God's got to do then is hit it. Let's, let's examine this thing called momentum that we can see like to get a job. And we get a phone call and we get a letter and we can see the wheels turning. And now it's easier for the Lord to act because we got the ball rolling. So let's think about this. When Jesus fed the 5,000 men, not counting women and children, probably about 10,000 people there. Seven to 10,000 because men rarely gather where there's no girls except for promise keepers. The rest of the time, girls are going to be there. <laughs> and whenever girls are around, you got 2.5 kids going with them. So there's, there's a crowd of people. Yeah. Oh, you're real beautiful. Well, here's my eight kids. Oh, yeah. And a lot of children. Anyway, just erase that. <laughs> what have we to feed these people with? Well, five loaves and two fish. Let's examine it and apply it to our own heart. Well, that's, that's nothing to feed this crowd. So it would have been easier if they'd have said, a hundred fish and 50 loaves of bread. Here we are on Sunday. Go, oh, no, it's no easier. But you don't believe that. Because if we got more variables and it takes less effort for God, then the miracle is more possible. And our carnal reasoning talks us out of the miraculous faith that God has given us through his word. What you can say is, here's Lord, five loaves and two fish. You asked me what I had. That's all I got. But I want you to know that it don't matter if it's five loaves, two fish, one sardine, or a McDonald's biscuit. It don't matter to you what I have. I'm just answering your question so that you'll see that I've found all we have and this is all we have and all you want is all I got. And there you go. We look at people like that and think they don't know how to do math. God looks at people like that and says, oh, you're not into math. You're into me, aren't you? That's why Christ comes on the scene through a virgin. He said, I don't need none of your variables. None of them. What is it that you're helping God with today? Now, I'm going to get to it in a moment. He's going to invite you to participate. He's going to ask something from you, but you're not depending on your part. See, that's our problem. We depend on our part. We depend on other people's part. We depend on the priest's part, but God don't need your help. He invites you to participate in the miracle so you can see his glory. He don't need your help. And that's why we worry. I'm about to tell you something worth the price of admission right here. This is why we worry. Because we're looking to what we can do, and that's scary. That's scary. You got your, gov- your stocks and your bonds, and you look at the stock market, and the guy on the news, he looks nervous. That's scary. Home economic crisis, that's scary. Any of y'all's 401K took a hit at all in five years? Home values, we didn't complain when they were going up. We didn't question it at all. Going up 13 and 15% a year. Whoo, the Lord's blessing. Hallelujah. And then everything that goes up must come down. I wasn't crazy about it going down. But this is not my source. God is my source. And we don't need momentum. And we don't have to have precedent. You may be the first one in your family believing him for what you're believing him for. 
Does God have to answer? I hear preachers that say God always. Be careful of any minister that uses the word always and never. Be very careful. Because God's still sovereign. He doesn't have to heal the way we want him to heal. And he's having to do. But the, you know you've crossed over when you're not. You're okay with just giving it to him. But your expectation is he can do all things. I'm not telling him he has to do it my way on my schedule. But that faith. That true believing. You can expect the miracle even if you're the reason you need one. For somebody, this is, I don't know who I'm preaching to right here, but this is for someone, you are here today for this reason. It's their fault. Well, we didn't know all these people were coming. You should have known. Right? I mean, this is not just anybody in the public come. Somewhere they were, we can just stretch this out and there's not enough. And it's in here not to make fun of the couple. They said, we ran out of wine. Our hospitality outweighed our planning have you ever been in the situation you're the cause of the insufficiency you're the cause of the broken relationship you're the cause of the financial ruin anybody else made bad decisions or lack of planning and you know what you'll do you know what I'll do we'll disqualify ourselves based on our performance or lack thereof and yes God could do the same but why do it before God does it No, don't ask Jesus. It's our fault. We deserve the embarrassment and the lack. Why don't you let God judge in your life? Go before him and tell him the truth. This mess in my life is my fault. And I'm not appealing to you based on my performance. I'm appealing to you based on your mercy. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Oh, it moves his heart. When we own up to our mistakes, but we look to his abundance. When we own up to our mistakes... But we look to his abundance. You can expect a miracle when you listen for and are obedient to the words of God. His mother said to the servants, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. And I know this is profoundly simple, but it is profound nonetheless. Whatever God tells you to do in his word, do it. No matter what he asks you to do, no matter what he asks you not to do. No matter if it makes sense to you or not, do it. And you don't do these things to get the miracle, but miraculous things follow those that do the will of the Lord, doing what God commands. The written word is the more sure word of prophecy. Nothing ever violates the word of God, but that's not the only time he speaks. He speaks to you in your spirit. He speaks to you in your circumstances. He speaks to you in your dreams and visions. And it's a witness of the Holy Spirit. You'll know. Can I tell you a quick story that happened early on in my Christian life, but it shaped me. I was uh, praying, uh, you know, I always refer back to that first year or two because everything was new to me. And I would pray, you know, I was at the altar every service. I don't care what the preacher, preacher preached on uh, um, Christmas giving. I'm at the altar just repenting, just praying. Oh, God, help me. I was at the altar I mean, before they invited you. I would just come and pray. I'm just an idiot. I'm a Pop-Tart. Help me, God. Help me. I'm really, you know, there's other people. Oh, bless him. No, I'm messed up. I'm really, oh, God. It's just a lot of detoxing. Can anybody identify with me? And rearranging your thoughts and all of that. And I remember praying and I was asking the Lord, how do I know your voice? I need to know your voice. And the only way you learn his voice is by stepping out on a whisper where you're not sure if that's him or not. And you're real vulnerable. 
clear as a bell. Now, some of y'all are going to think I'm off in left field, but I'm a very, very practical person. That's why this was so hard for me. So I'm in church, and I see this guy over there. His name was Rick. I won't give his last name in case he's watching TV or we're on the internet. And he said, give him your waterbed. I don't like those kind of people, God. I don't like the weirdos. I don't like them. Can you imagine me walking up to this guy? He's six foot one, big broad shoulders. Hey, the Lord just told me to give you my bed. What do you think about that? How weird can you be? I'm like, well, first of all, I had my bed for sale. And I know some of these young people, water bed? What? Back, that was a thing we did back then. It was, you had a water bed. But you had to get the waveless. You had to get the waveless. And don't ever jump on it, somebody bigger than the little person on it, because you jump on it, shoot them across the room. <laughs> yeah, daddy jump on the bed and the baby go, Whoo! And don't get a semi-waveless. You wake up motion sick every day. You got to get waveless. So before there was Craigslist, there was Penny Pincher. Y'all remember Penny Pincher? Okay, yeah. You could put a bag of rocks on Penny Pincher and get 100 calls. They're calling you months later. I sold the rocks. Quit calling my house. I get this thing from the Lord, give this guy my bed. I said, I need the money. I'm making $150 a month at the church, and I need money. I'm not giving that guy. First of all, I don't know if it's the Lord. You ever do that? I don't know if it's you. So I'm going to sell it. Not a call. You could put a dead goldfish in the penny pincher, and somebody call you. You still got that fish? They'll call you. What'd you do with him? Is he out back? He's like, man, quick, take my, and you call Penny Peter, take my number off that thing. People stop calling. Not a call. Not one call. I see him at church. You know how the Lord does? I see him. It's like I run into him. He's right there. Like, give him your bed. I'm, I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. Praying for God to provide for me. Praying for God to do all these miraculous things. And I haven't even done the last thing he told me. You got that undone thing, and you're asking God to bless you. And he said, what did I tell you to do? Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, no matter how silly it is. It'll never contradict his word, by the way. But it may be odd to you. So finally, being this mature Christian, I guess, okay, okay, I'm going to go make a fool of myself to this guy. you know. And I'm just giving you the Cliff Notes version because there was more to it than this. But I walked up to him and said, hey, can I talk to you? He goes, sure, I said, how about over here? Can we, can we come over here away from everybody? Just, I, I didn't want nobody to hear this. I said, listen, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a man's man. I want to give you a disclaimer. Don't, please don't think I'm, you know, off or weird or lighting my loafers or none of that stuff. Please just don't, you know. Uh, I just felt like the Lord told me to offer you my king-size waterbed. God is my witness right now. He stood there. And he started to tremble and cry. And he said, the last three or four weeks I've been driving my wife when I get off work every 30, 30 plus minutes to my mother-in-law's to sleep on a waterbed because the doctor said for her back she needed to sleep on one. And I'm like, well, I'll bring it to your house and put it up tomorrow. He hugged me and he thought it was the gl- most glorious thing. And I walked away so convicted. And gently, but firmly, the Lord said, his wife and his family suffered because of you. When I tell you to do something, 
I want you to do it. When I tell you to give something, I want you to give it. When I tell you to write that letter, write the letter. When I tell you to make the phone call, make the phone call. Even if you don't see how it's connected to what I'm doing, I, your ways are not like my ways. Just mind me. Now, this is not a key to miracles, but they are things that happened in the story before the miracle was given. And I wonder if your miracle is withheld because you did not do what Jesus told you to do. So whatsoever Jesus said unto you, Mary said, do it. Even if what he tells you to do, he didn't ask someone else to do it. Or it's different than what he asked someone else to do. Even if what he has commanded comes with no explanation or no promises connected to it. Even if what he asks you to do preoccupies you, keeping you from dealing with the problem you have. What does filling wash pots have to do with us not having wine? Have you ever had a need before the Lord and it's over here and you bring it before him and he asks you to go over there and do something that has nothing to do with what you need? That takes faith. That takes faith to walk away from your problem and start obeying over here where you cannot connect the dots. Who would have thought that Jesus would connect a wash pot with wine? That's where it takes trust. Where in your prayer closet you just say, Lord, all I know to do is obey you and trust you with the results. And so I want to obey you over here. Even if there is no connection between your obedience and the problem. Number nine, you can expect a miracle if you're willing to participate in it. Verse six and seven, and there were set apart six water pots of stone. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. Oftentimes, God uses common things in your life. Familiar things, accessible things, simple things. Like David's sling, Moses' staff. Paul's handkerchief, Peter's shadow. Sometimes God will use the things right around you, not because he needs those things, but he wants you to participate in the miracle because in the participation of it, we get glimpses of God that we would have never had had he just done the miracle. But if you're a part of it, you're invested and you believe and you're vulnerable and you're intertwined with him in it. Sometimes God will ask you to do something, give something, prepare something, sow something, believe something, or say something. I found it imperative for me to stand up in front of you over and over and over and tell you, we're going to have a family. We're going to have a family. Even when other things that I'd said in front of you, I believed would happen, didn't happen. Listen to your pastor. No one wants to look like a fool. You stand out and say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then they die. Here's what our mind says. Next time I won't say it. Because I would rather keep my reputation than live in the glory of God. What do you do when God asks you to do something that he'd asked you to do before? And when he asked you to do it before, it didn't work. The results didn't happen as you were looking at him. You obey him again. You obey him again. Because it is not my reputation that's important. It's God's reputation in the earth. It's not that God needs your help, but he just wants to make you a part. It's kind of like the little boy in his father's shed 
where he says, hey, give me that wrench. And the boy gives him the wrench. Give me that Phillips head. He gives him the Phillips head. Hey, hold this light right here. And then the little boy comes inside and says, we fixed the car. Do you understand that's what's going on in your life? God's letting you be with him in the outworking of what you need. So all the pressure's off as long as you hand him what he asks you to hand him. Because God's not interested in doing it by himself. Because since creation, that's really the last time he did it by himself. Because he wants you to be in the garage with him. Working on your life. Very quickly, let me give you this. You can expect a miracle if you're willing to live obediently. If our musician would come, please. He said, fill the water pots with water. They obeyed him immediately. Jesus didn't say, if you fill the water pots with water, I will give you wine, did he? Did he say anything like that? And see, God doesn't tell you, if you do this, I'll do this. Regardless of what the television preachers tell you, God doesn't do that. It's no script. Not you do this, I'll do this. He just says, fill the water pots with water. Now watch. So they obeyed him immediately. They obeyed him without question. They obeyed him without details. They obeyed him without complaint. They obeyed him precisely. They obeyed him thoroughly. They took the pots that he said take, they filled them with water, and it says to the brim, without question, complaint, or promise. They just obeyed him. And then comes the vulnerability, which some of you are here right now. And Jesus said unto them, draw out and go bear to the governor of the feast, and they bore it. And the ruler of the feast tasted the water that was made wine and did not know whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, and the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. Those who prepare for miracles see miracles. And just because you prepare doesn't mean you're going to see that one. But listen to your pastor. Those who prepare for miracles see them. It's not luck. It's not lottery. It's not random. There are pockets in every life where if God acts, his glory will be made manifested. And when you begin to pray for your glory's sake, not for my need's sake. I do bring you my need. But for your glory. Lord, isn't this a place where you'd get glory? You may not believe this, but do you know why I flood my Facebook page with pictures of my girl and our, joy, our girls and my joy? Has nothing to do with you keeping up with me. I want them to see his glory. It's not necessary. I'm more private than that. You guys say, no, no, they got to see this one. They got to see this one. I want them to be reminded that God is no respecter of persons and he's glorious. I want my life to be filled with his glory. I want to expect the impossible. Believe for those things and see them. Those who are part of the preparations see his glory first. It wasn't the couple. It was the servants. The ones that fill the water pots. Okay, everything that is recorded happened, but not everything that happened is recorded. Don't you think they talked to each other? If you were filling the water pots, would you have talked to the guy next to you? Yeah. I'm like, 
What's this got to do with the price of coffee in China? I don't know, but Jesus, some have said he's Messiah. And the ones that participated in the mundane were the ones that saw the miraculous. The governor didn't know how it happened. The bride and groom didn't know how it happened. The aristocrats didn't know. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, nor the disciples. But the servants knew. And God is going to give some of you front row seat to his glory. You're going to see it happen in your home, in your life. How do you know? Because I'm filling the water pots. I'm filling them immediately. I'm filling them without complaint. And I'm filling them to the brim. He didn't say brim. He just said fill them. I chose brim. They participate. They see his glory as it unfolds. They see it more clearly. They not only saw what God did, but how he did it. Those who are part of the preparations have a fuller understanding than those who only witnessed the miracle. They saw Jesus' calmness. They saw his confidence. They saw his humility. They saw his power and the ease in which he operated. They got to witness all of these things. Everybody else tasted wine. They said, no, I got to see how he did what he did. I got to hear his inflection. It was like he knew all along what he's going to do. And see, some of us are resisting the difficulty, but the difficulty is the portal to knowing who God is. It's the portal. I've seen him restore with my eyes. I've beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of God, full of grace, full of truth. I've watched it. And when you've seen it in your life, you can preach it with authority and power. What if God is constructing this huge canyon in you? Canyon, emptiness, void, lack, insufficiency, just to open up clouds of glory and fill it up again. What if that's what it is? Those who receive miracles will tell you it's never about the miracle. It's all about the glory. It said this beginning of miracles manifested forth his glory. And they would tell you the miracle is not what happened to me, but what happened in me. And the disciples believed on him. They said the disciples, when this happened, they go, it's him. I believe when the Lord gives me a word like this, Please understand the power is not in me and in my preaching or my teaching. There's no specialized anointing. Don't listen to that stuff. We all have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But I can preach his word. And if I'm gifted to do it, it's like turning a little diamond to you and you. Oh, and you, people will write me and go, oh, Sunday, when you preached about this, it was so good. I'm like, I didn't preach about that. It wasn't even in my sermon. But the Holy Spirit steady preaching while I'm preaching. And some of you are going to navigate this impossible situation. You're going to get out on the other end and everyone's going to be talking about the wine, the miracle. And it's like, no, no, no. I beheld his glory. Yeah, yeah. When I hold my kids, you think, oh, the Lord filled a void in his life. No, I beheld his glory. (laughs) Because this child 
will either pass away before me or I'll pass away before them. But it's glory. So every time I look at them babies, I think, glory. And some of you, this word, you could hang it over your door. The beginning of miracles. It's just the beginning of them. It's just the beginning of them. All I'm going to do is make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and believing. So when the Lord walks through your house, what if? Can I just talk to you out of my heart? It's not in my notes. What if the Lord's peering over from heaven? And he says, Chronicle, write it down, write it down. And the song comes on the radio. And it says something about, I believe. And you turn it up in your house. No one else is around. And you're like, I believe. I believe. And that lady begins to dance before the Lord. I believe. I believe. God just, I can't not do something. I can't. I'm not manipulating you. Hey, your time, I don't care. I'm just telling you that I feel, you know what that thing you asked me to do? Come here. And in the baby's room where there is no baby or whatever, the girl that's gone and there's notes all over the wall and you've repaid, you got everything ready. I'm, I'm, when you're ready, I'm ready. I believe. We have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask amiss to consume it on our own lust. But he's also said, you have not because you ain't even asked. And there are the people that are out in left field and it's all about the miracle and the manifestation and the falling out and dreams and angel dust and all that weirdness. Hey, I got that. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It was the beginning of miracles. So what can you believe him for? What can you believe him for? Something happened to me two days ago that's not often for me. I, I, I just don't do it. I woke myself up praying. I'm not a prayer in the morning. I'm not like, wake up, good morning, Lord. I'm like scratching, going down the hall. You know, I'm barely hanging on, looking for a diet Mountain Dew is what I do. And I was laying in the bed, and it woke me up, and I was like, I just believe you, Lord. I just trust you, Lord. I, I just want you. My spirit was praying before I ever woke up, before I ever woke up. And I'm telling you, it's already happened since Sunday. There's a guy in this church, him and his wife just told me, he said, I can't, have, we can't, have, we just can't have kids. They're pregnant. Found out this week. We're pregnant. We're pregnant. Uh, I prayed with him. I laid hands on him. I told him. But then we both said, but you know it wasn't me, don't you? He goes, oh, I know. It's, it's beginning. It's beginning miracles. I believe the Lord's going to just start doing things for us. And if we won't get enamored by the miracle, but we'll turn our focus on God, it could break loose in this place. Things just happen. So would you seal this word with me this way? I didn't plan on how it was going to end. We're not going to ask him for the thing. We're just going to enthrone him in our heart. Would you just stand with me? And just people very reverent. This is not the time to check your phone or check out. Eyes open, eyes closed, whatever you want to do. Just Would you just worship him in whatever way and just enthrone him in your life and in this local church and said, Oh, Lord, be great in this house. Be great in this house. King Jesus. Be great in this house, oh Lord. Be great in this house. With no one looking around and no prompting, if you're the one in need of a miracle, as quickly as you can get to this altar, I want you to come stand around this front. We've enthroned him right now. The people in this church are lifting their hands. The rest of you, just stay focused on the Lord. King Jesus.
look at how many people this was for this morning. I got to have a miracle from you, Lord. Man can't help me here. Man can't help me here. Preacher can't help me here, Lord. Bishop can't help me. My father can't help me. My mother can't. But Lord, my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. Those of you that have seen the miraculous with your own eyes, I want you to just come and do a little semi-arc around them here. Just stand around them. I've seen it with my eyes. No tricks, Lord. For your glory's sake, we pray. For your glory's sake, we pray, O Lord. For your name's sake, O Lord. That they may know there's a God in Macon. For your glory's sake, Lord. They may look on our life and say, the Lord is with them. That they would say that we've been with Jesus. That they would know. We don't look to man, O Lord. We look to you. We look to you, O Lord. And he that looketh to you shall not be ashamed. We look to you, Lord. Nothing you can't do. Nothing you can't do. Nothing you can't do. For that person that can more clearly describe your condition today than your position in Christ, ask the Lord to open your eyes. Open my eyes, God. Open my eyes, Lord. For your glory's sake, Lord. For that person that used to believe and hadn't believed in a long time, may they just own it. I stopped believing and I repent of it. And I believe that the Lord is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think. family would you look this way one more time before we dismiss this morning those of you that have been here the 18 years I have you've heard me refer to this over and over but it it so perfectly fits something like today that I'd be 
remiss not to share it with you. It changed my life when I, when I heard this guy tell this story. The, the, the last part of it changed the way I walked with God. He said they grew up absolutely dirt poor in the depression. Farmers hardly had anything. And he said, his dad wasn't there. I don't know if he'd passed away or left or what. And he said that his mom set the table one day. There was no food anywhere on the table. She set the meat tray out. She set the bread tray out. She set the vegetable bowls out. And she told her sons and daughters, go get everybody. It's time to eat. And the man who's telling the story was a world-renowned renowned evangelist. Uh, if I told you his name, you'd know exactly who it was. But he said, he told his brother, he said, mom's lost it. He said, go get the kids. It's time to eat. He said, mom's lost it. He goes, just go get them. And he said, he looked at his mother. He said, let's pray. And they were all at the table holding hands. And he said, I never closed my eyes. And I watched her. And she said, father, I was once young and I'm now old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed begging bread. And I thank you for this. And she used the word bounty. Bounty, which we're about to receive. In Jesus' name. And he said, we all turned to the door. And he said, this lady, praise the Lord, sister so-and-so. The Lord woke me up this morning, told me to kill a chicken and clean chicken for you and cook. And he said, one after the other, over a period of 10 or 15 minutes, not all at the same time, every plate she set out got something in it. And he said, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, the Lord provided. He goes, no, my mama wasn't surprised. He said, everyone else looked at the food and I watched my mama. She goes, well, let's, let's eat. That's the glory. It's never about the food. It's never about the baby. It's never about the wine. It's the glory. So whether I see it happening or not, I rest in the fact that God is my provider. Thank you, Lord, for the bounty which we are about to receive. So be on the lookout, okay? It's going to find you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. Amen.